for that reminder and that wonderful time of singing together that Jesus is Lord. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ that we come here to worship. Um, and uh, I want you to take the Lord's word and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, it's almost instinctive. One of the first things that, that babies learn when they begin to talk and, and move is that they learn, they learn how to go bye-bye, right? It's one of the first things that we instinctively teach them. And I think there's two reasons why we do that. The first is this. It's just darn cute, right? Watching the, watching the little baby go bye-bye. Uh, but the second is this, and, and that is, is that we, whether we realize it or not, we end up teaching our children that concept very early because it's hard for them to understand when a parent or a grandparent or, or someone who they love and they know and they trust that they have to leave. Whether it's, whether it's just going away for, for work or especially, you know, the, the mother's bond with the child. If, if mom has to go somewhere and, and leave the baby with dad, right, dad's pretty much worthless and they want mama. And so you've got to explain and, and teach to the, to the young baby that bye-bye that is, is not a horrible thing. It, it, it means that, you know, you're going to see each other again, but they've got to go, and it prepares them for, for what's coming, right? Uh, we instinctively teach this to all of our children because the reality of it is, is that, that, that goodbyes are hard. They're always hard. And, and the reason is, is because God has made us in his own image, and one of the things that we see about the image of God is that God himself is relational. God has always existed within the Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. There's always been perfect unity and perfect bond. This is part of what makes the cross such an amazing event that for a moment, because of our sin, the Father turned from the Son and the wrath of God went upon the Son. Like, the, there, there was a break in that unity for that moment as the son takes our sin upon himself. And, and that's part of what makes the cross such, a, such an amazing and, and, and a dreadful thing. Because God is relational and he's designed us to share that. And it's one of the most amazing things that we have is that we share our lives, we share our hearts, we share our hopes, we share our dreams, we, we share and... and, and and need each other and that's wonderful and it's beautiful but the reality of it is is that in life there are often changes and sometimes those changes necessitate goodbyes and it's in those moments that we realize that that goodbyes are hard this morning is a morning of goodbyes as i share with you from god's word for the final time as your pastor um but I want to show you, as I prayed about it and thought about it, I, I want to show you again that God's word speaks to, to every moment in life. Even a moment like this. We can see as we looked here in 2 Corinthians 13 that Paul writes a goodbye. Paul writes a goodbye to, uh, to the Corinthians here. And, and it's an amazing text where Paul writes to them his his relationship with the Corinthians has, is really amazing to document in scriptures. Um, Paul has spent a significant amount of time at the church. He, he lived there with them for about two years at one point. He had visited multiple times. He sent many associates back and forth. 
And if you know anything about the, 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 the interaction in the scripture with the Corinthians, Paul did a lot of wrestling with them. He wrote them two letters. He's actually written them four letters. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about a previous letter that Paul wrote. We don't have that retained for us in scripture, but he, he wrote to them one time about something, and then he wrote 1 Corinthians. And, and if you know anything about 1 Corinthians, there's a lot going on that needs corrected. And then in 2 Corinthians, it's kind of an interesting letter, because 2 Corinthians is actually two letters. The first half of 2 Corinthians is the follow-up, and the last half is the initial writing. So Paul writes, the, the, the second half of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to rebuke them of a whole bunch of things that have happened within the church. A lot of problems that have crept in the church. And then they respond and, and they put together first or 2 Corinthians, the first part of it, before the second half. It's confusing, but there's, there's four letters essentially that Paul's written. And, and here's what I want you to know. Paul writes this very difficult letter, the end of 2 Corinthians, and in 13, he ends with his goodbye, his farewell. He doesn't know if he's going to see them again, Paul in his personal life at this time. There's more and more opposition. Paul knows that, that he's probably heading to Rome. Paul knows that he'll probably give his life for the gospel. And he doesn't know when he's going to uh, meet or see anyone again. And secondly, he writes to them a very stern letter. A very stern letter for them to uh, put things in order. And he doesn't know if they'll receive it or not. They may cut him off. But in this moment, in his goodbye... He closes with a tender, loving reminder, giving them a, a reminder of the things that he's taught them and pointing them to God who loves them. And what an appropriate fitting today as I leave here as your pastor after serving you for seven years, after sharing the word of God with you for seven years, after counseling with many of you, praying for all of you, spending times in hospitals, seeing pictures, Elwin, <laughs> when he had surgery, grieving with you and your families. Um, to my count, there's been 46 funerals that I've overseen here as the pastor. The, by and large, uh, members of our church are closely associated with our church and so we have loved you and we've been with you and, and, and I hope that, that my legacy above everything else is that, that you remember me as one who opened the word and taught the word and brought the word. And so as we close out this ministry here, as God has called us somewhere else, I want to share with you from this closing what we read in 2 Corinthians that, that Paul wrote in a similar context he had taught them and loved them and shared with them and he shares these words with them that i think are appropriate for us today look at verse 11 through the end finally brothers rejoice aim for restoration comfort one another agree with one another live in peace and the god of love and peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss all the saints greet you the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. As I studied and thought about this passage, it really breaks down to 
uh, two different types of things that, that Paul is sharing here with the Corinthians. The first is that there are uh, five commands. There are, uh, there are five um, imperatives, commands, and then there's also uh, indicatives, which are to trust in God. So there's five commands based on the teaching that Paul has shared, and then there are uh, these three indicatives to, to help encourage them in the Lord, to remind them of the Lord and who they are in the Lord and his love for them. And so I just want to share these words with you today. Is the, these flowed out of the letters that Paul had written to the Corinthians, and, and these same commands flow out of the, the teaching as I've shared the word of God with you all of these years. So look with me. The first, as we see, the, the first major grouping we could say here is practice what has been preached. Practice what has been preached. What, what you have heard, continue in. Paul will write to Timothy and say, the things that you heard from me, the things that you saw in me, persist in these things, as Timothy was his protege. My hope and my prayer is that, that as I have led you and taught you from God's word, that you would continue in God's word as well. There's five commands here. The first is this, be joyful. Be joyful. We see this here in verse 11, and it seems kind of funny that the first thing in the end of a greeting is, is be happy. <laughs> be happy. Paul wrote very sternly, very strongly to them, and the first thing that he says is in, in the conclusion is to be happy. Now, some of your versions will say different things. Some will say farewell. Some say goodbye. Rejoice. The root here is to, is to be joyful. To be joyful. And that's what, a, that's what a farewell is, is that we are departing, but we're departing in joy. And as Christians, we can depart in joy. We can depart in joy because though I may never see you again, if you're in Christ, I will see you in heaven. Seven years will be but a blip in the relationship that we will have before the throne of God. Now, hopefully, Y'all let me back at some point, and I'll come back and, and preach again and rejoice with you. <laughs> but the point is this. As believers, we can rejoice in all things. The most difficult circumstances in life are moments for us to rejoice because we know Christ. Uh, nothing of the hurt of this world can take away from us the joy that we have in the Lord. And so Paul writes... And he reminds them here to rejoice, to rejoice. Solomon writes in Proverbs, a joyful heart is good medicine. And we have shared many times of joy and many times of laughter. As you move to your next phase of ministry, as I move to my next phase of ministry, let us all remember to do so not begrudgingly, but with the joy of the Lord, with laughter and good times. And we will see the Lord work and abound in us. Do this. I often have, have said this and, and has been my practice here and I hope it would continue to be your practice. We're very serious about theology, but we're very lighthearted about ourselves. Take serious the things that God takes serious and the things about yourself don't take in pride. Be lighthearted. The second command here is to be complete to be complete it says aim for restoration 
And that's a real, there's, there's a few different translations of, of what that means. But the literal word here is restoration. And, and what it means is that something is missing that needs to be completed, that, that needs to be fixed. The, the idea, the words used like uh, repairing a fishing net. And, and, and here's the command that, that Paul is writing. He's, he's writing to the Corinthians and, and he's pointed out flaws and he's pointed out things and he's pointed out issues that they need to work for. And, and he reminds them to be complete. He, he reminds them that, that God has a plan and a purpose for them. That, that God uh, wants them to be built up together. You think of these illustrations of what the church is that Paul talks about. He talks about it as a building where, where every block, every brick is built on the foundation of Christ and, and every piece is needed for the building to be complete. Of course, Paul also writes his most famous and thought of analogy of the church is that of a body. And he talks about the, the body parts, a leg and an arm and a toe and a mouth. That's the way that Christ has brought us together. Every church, every church under the leadership of Jesus Christ has been brought together with believers who have been gifted by the Holy Spirit, assembled by Christ to do the work that Christ would have for them. Now that work looks different because we're all different. God has put together people with different gifts and different talents and, and different distributions of gifts and talents together to do the work of the ministry. And, and the job of the church is to individually find out where do I fit? How has God gifted me? How do I fit? Where are the opportunities? How do we serve together? You can do that without a pastor here. Let me remind you of, of something, and that is this. In the New Testament, God appoints shepherds to churches. God appoints uh, elders to churches. He appoints leaders to churches. We often will take the title senior pastor, but the reality of it is, is that the Bible actually gives the title for what a pastor of a local church is. And it isn't senior pastor, it's under shepherd. Because Christ is the shepherd of this church. Christ is the head of this church. I have served under him and have lovingly sought him to guide you, but I want you to know that, that, that he still loves this church and he still guides this church and, and he has a plan for you and, and as a people he's assembled you together and, and, and you'll have a different leader. Listen, this, this church is a 134 years old. I'm not the first pastor. <laughs> I'm like the 56th, I think. <laughs> but Jesus has been the head of this church since day one. And Jesus will be. And so we submit to him and his word and his leadership in all things. Be complete. Uh, the, the next one that I want to say is this. Be helpful. Be helpful. The command is this. Comfort one another comfort one another and that word here for comfort is a is a word that that we're familiar with throughout the new testament uh paracleo which is the same base word that the paraclete is if you know a little bit about greek or you just listen to pastors show off that they learned greek a long time ago <laughs> 
That's the word given to the Holy Spirit, the helper who Jesus will send. The helper. And and here, Paul reminds them to, to help one another, to comfort one another, to be with one another. Just as God has sent the Spirit to to be with us in the absence of Christ, so he's also combined the fellowship of the body to help and to comfort and to be with one another. Church, I have marveled as your pastor over the years, as I've watched your hearts when individuals are sick, when individuals have need, when individuals are mourning. Uh, Sometimes, many times in this church, it's very easy to pastor because... Uh, you are taking care of the needs even that I don't even know of because of your love for each other and your connection for one another. Continue in that. Be helpful to one another. Love one another. Don't be a burden to one another. The, The next is this. Be peaceable. Be peaceable. The fourth command here is that we would agree with one another, and then it continues and says, live in peace. And the idea here of agreeing with one another is to be of like mind, or often the New Testament will be be of one accord, which doesn't mean to, I, I thought it was take fighting people and put them in a Honda Accord and send them on a road trip. When I first got saved. And that might work, but, but what it means is it's, it's music, a chord, where the, the right notes that play together are harmonious and beautiful. But if you throw in the wrong notes, it falls apart and it, it becomes noise to your ear. The idea that, that the New Testament has is those who are saved by Christ, those who are gathered together within a local body, those who are, are committed to one another to, to serve and to, to be a part of it, that, that it should be a place of unity. Not uniformity. God gives us different gifts. He gives us different talents. He gives us different perspectives. We're raised in different generations. We're not all called to to uniformity where we all look and think exactly the same. But what we are called to is unity. When it comes to the things of Scripture, that we study the Bible together, and we learn the Bible together, we hold the principles of the Scriptures together, and then we individually... Serve together and serve outside of the church using the gifts and talents unique to us, the opportunities unique to us that we would serve Christ. Be uh, peaceable. Be peaceable. Seek to have the same mind. Seek to, to love one another, to, to show one, uh, to, show, to show favor to one over yourself. You know, the, the main problem that a pastor, any pastor has to deal with is the selfishness of the sheep. The selfishness of the sheep. I want it this way. They didn't eat my dish at the potluck. They did, looked at me funny. That, did you hear how they talked to me? That, that really is the heart of it. I like, I like this kind of music. You know, music is the thing where we always want the music, in church we always want the music to be about us and the preaching to be about someone else, right? How much is solved when we take the the attitude of Christ that though he would be served, he he came humbly and served others. How how much does it affect our church life and and how much does it build unity when we simply say, I want to do what's good for you and what's good for us. And when others reciprocate that, they do what's good for you 
and what's good for us. My wife used to practice this. I, I don't have, she still would, I just don't have the same desire. And that is, we used to, when, when we lived in Tennessee and we'd go by Bass Pro Shop, in my mind, oh, Grandpa, we always went to Bass Pro Shop. And so I always wanted to go to Bass Pro Shop. I didn't buy anything, I just looked around. I don't know, there was just something about it. It was nostalgic and, and, and I wanted to do it. My wife has no desire at all to be in Bass Pro Shop. But if I'd ask her, can we go look around Bass Pro Shop? She'd say, yeah. Because she realized it was good for us. It was something that, that I enjoyed. Now, she did not enjoy being there. She didn't, she didn't think that the, all the stuffed animals hanging around were cool. She didn't like the big fish. She didn't like looking at all the cool stuff. <laughs> but she... She realized that by allowing that, it was good for me. And, and I would reciprocate that as well. And go places where I didn't necessarily want to go, but I knew it was important to her. That's important in a relationship, isn't it? It's important in a marriage. You're not going to always like the same thing. Young people, I know, you think you're going to marry somebody just like you. I promise you, you're going to marry somebody exactly opposite of you. <laughs> That's the way that it works, and it works best that way. And within the church, that's the way that it is as well. God calls together people from every tongue, tribe, nation, from every background, and puts them together in the church. And then it's our job to live together in Christ, loving each other, deferring to one another and when we defer to one another and they defer to our preferences, guess what? Everybody gets their preferences met, and it's a beautiful thing. That's how you live peaceable. That's how you live peaceable with one another. There's an old uh, idiom. I don't know where it came from, but it's, it's good, and it's, it's worthy of being reminded of, reminded of. In necessary things, unity. In unnecessary things, liberty. In all things, charity. Unity doesn't mean we compromise the gospel. But unity also means we have to get over some of our own preferences for the sake of others. Be peaceable. The last, the last command that we have here, be loving. Be loving. Now the, the, the final verse here, in verse 12 is one that always fascinated me as a teenage boy. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, I, uh, I, I, I learned at some point, someone shared with me that the tradition was in the Jewish synagogue that the women were in one place and the men were at the other and the men kissed the men and the women kissed the women. And I all of a sudden didn't become so fascinated with that verse anymore. You know, this is, uh, this is hard to do in a post-COVID world, right? <laughs> The idea here isn't, isn't about a, a tradition or it's not about a certain thing. What, what it is is that this was a way in their culture that they showed love. And so today it might be a handshake, it might be a, a side hug, right? It, it, it might just be sitting down with somebody and listening to them. The, the point is, and what the principle here is, it's not the form of following, kissing each other. The, the, the principle here is to be loving towards one another, to be affectionate toward one another. There's one thing to say, you know what, I'll just let them have their way. 
No, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll let them have their way, and, and maybe I'll get my way next time. There, there's one way to make peace like that, but that kind of peace isn't going to last, is it? And so Paul's final command here is to, to be loving to one another, to seek peace, to seek to live together, to seek to, to serve together, but also to do so in a way that is loving and warm and affectionate and caring. That's how a church grows and sustains and carries out all that the scripture has for it. So there's your commands. Practice what has been preached. Be joyful, be complete, be helpful, be peaceable, be loving. The second part of this greeting is this. Persist in God's promises. Persist in God's promises. Be faithful to do what God has called us to do, what, what you have been instructed to do, but also trust in God. Trust in the Lord in all things. Here's the first promise we see. The God, of, the God is with you. The God of love and peace shall be with you. What a wonderful word of assurance that is, isn't it? The God of peace and love shall be with you in the moments of difficulties in the moments of trials in the moments of hardship in the moments of uh, when we don't know what the future holds it's very easy for us to turn introspective it's very easy for us to begin to play the what if game right what what's going to happen here what's what, what what this what this what then what it's very easy to become anxious it's very easy to become paranoid it's very easy to become doubtful and Paul reminds them here, and I remind you today, that in all things, remember that God loves you. He is with you. The, the God of love and peace shall be with you. What a wonderful promise that is. Harkens back to Romans 8. That in all things, in all circumstances, God is for us. Those who are called according to the purposes of God. That, that no matter what happens, no matter what hardship, no matter what news we get, no matter, no matter what seems out of our control that takes place, God is for you. And he loves you and he's working together all things according to his good. And ultimately it points to the hope that we have in the gospel, the hope that we have in Christ. This world and the things of this world are not our goal, they're not our end. But one day, those of us who know Christ, those who know his redemption, those who have followed him as Lord, we shall be gathered together before him, before the Father. All of the strife, all of the trouble, all of the things in this world will pale in comparison to what it will be to be before our Lord, to be redeemed. God is with you. I leave here entrusting you to his love. I, I, I've had to remind myself of this as well. I, I want you to know this has been an incredible struggle and process for me as well. There, there came a point that, that in this process, as I felt the Lord and, 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 and prayer after prayer was answered, showing God's will for our family to go and to do this, that, that I, I very much had to do like a parent has to do with their adult child when they leave. And I had to say this. God is with them. God, God loves this church. God will take care of this church. It's not my church, it's his church. 
God is with you. And I entrust you to his will, to his love, and to his peace. Here's another reminder that he has here. God has a ministry for you. God has a ministry for you. Look at at the second promise here in verse 13. All the saints greet you. All the saints greet you. Now here's here's where I say that God has a ministry for you. He He is reminding this church, this one church here in Corinth that that all of the saints all of the people of God gathered in their little churches and their little communities all of the ones to whom God has called and he has gathered together and he is working they greet you as well because you are one of them you are not alone you are not isolated you are part of the body of Christ your church is one to whom we can see in Revelation that an angel is assigned, that Christ himself upholds, and one that is needed to do the ministry that God has for you. What a wonderful promise that is, isn't it? It's easy for us to look around at other churches and, and compare or, or, or look at what they can do or the resources that they have or the talents that they have and and to fill down. But the reality of this is a reminder that all the saints greet you. You are one with all of them. And and what you do matters. And what you do is important. And what you do is needed for the kingdom. And Christ has put you together for this time and for this moment and in this place for these people. To build others up in Christ and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever he would lead you. The third promise is this, God loves you. God loves you. Verse 14 ends with one of the most beautiful benedictions that we have in Scripture. Verse 14 ends, um, you, you, you know, apologetically and theologically, verse 14 is very important. You have people saying, uh, the, the Bible doesn't use the word trinity, right? The Bible doesn't use the word trinity. It doesn't talk about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, look at verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I just saw the Trinity. Not only theologically is this a, a, a beautiful benediction, but, but, but think about all that is encompassed within this. About how loaded and how rich this benediction is. Paul's confidence for these believers is based on God. His his presence, his power, his provision. He he reminds them that God is at work. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I remind you of that today. That the grace of the Lord is with you all. The grace of the Lord, it, it, it reminds us of what Christ did. 2 Corinthians 8 says this, 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty might become, you might become rich. Jesus Christ came and lived. He perfectly kept the law. He was rejected by his own, and he went to the cross as a substitute, as a sacrificial lamb, that you might receive salvation. That your sins would be forgiven. That that God could be just and the justifier 
the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friends, please remember the grace of Jesus. That wonderful, matchless grace that God has given us through his Son. The, the second is a reminder that God loves you. That God loves you. The love of God is with you. This reminds us of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, sent Jesus. You being dead in your trespasses, but God, being rich in mercy, saved us through Christ. God loves you. God has sent his Son to save you. Know his love. Walk in his love. Share his love. And then finally... The gift of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Spirit is with you all. This reminds me back to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church and, and, and Peter stands up and he preaches and 3,000 get saved. And then immediately at the end of chapter 2 in, in Acts, you, you see the church and, and what, the chur, what defined the church, it says that they were devoted. What they were about, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the Word of God. They were uh, devoted to the, the fellowship, to sharing lives with other believers. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and carrying out the Lord's Supper and, and in table fellowship with one another. And they were devoted to the prayers. And those four things, I believe that was the first sermon that I preached at this church was about Acts chapter 2. And those four things are still the things that is the model of, of what we are doing today. That we are to remain in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that He is with us all. That He will love us and He will guide us. The Corinthian Christians here desperately needed, as we all do, God's, God's grace and God's blessing. Paul reminds them, and I today, as I leave this post as your pastor remind you persist in the things that you have heard in the word of god and trust in the lord with all of your heart i believe you not blind or hopeless but strong in the grace of christ as we have shared the gospel here over and over and over again you have heard of christ and you have heard of his redemption you have heard of what he has done Many have responded to that for the first time, and many have been strengthened in that. Continue in that. I leave you in the love of God. May you seek to know his love. May you seek to know his love through his word. I have sought to model for you how to read and understand God's word, and I pray that you would continue in that. All, everything that God has, has for you in life and godliness is contained in the word. Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify, your word is truth. You will be grown up. And all that we need, the, the word of God is not only true, it's not only God's word, but it is sufficient. Continue in those things and in God's love. And last, in the spirit, I have sought to maintain a the unity of peace 
your leaders have sought to maintain the unity of peace, and, and, and I leave this place not because of some kind of internal fight or not because of some kind of uh, problem that's within the church. No, this is a, a peaceful, loving place. During the transitions, during transitions, often there are struggles for power, there are struggles for ideas. As you go through that, seek to maintain the unity of peace, the unity of the Spirit. Continue to love each other, to lift each other up, to meet each other's burdens, and the Lord will continue to bless you. I leave with great love for you, and I know great love for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your leading in our lives. Lord, as you have led me here and led others here during my ministry, and now you are leading my family to another ministry, we know that you will continue to lead this place and this church. And Lord, I, I pray for them that they would continue to be blessed in you. That Lord, this this process and this time will be an incredible blessing. Lord, I am confident in your calling upon my life, and therefore I am confident upon the calling that you have here and for these people and for this place. Lord, may we all seek to know your word and to do what it says. May we all seek to know the love of Christ and to be built up in him. May we all seek to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And Lord, may we trust always in the love of Christ, in the love of the Father, and in the fellowship of the Spirit. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your people. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you wherever you call us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you